Welcome to Only Yesterday. My name is Tony, and today we are going to be discussing something that I think is interesting, that I don't think gets enough uh, acknowledgement when we discuss certain types of behaviors. Um, today we're going to be discussing Kids in Crisis Part 3, a.k.a. Conduct Disorders. So, sources for today are Conduct Disorder by Graeme Fairchild et al. I am not entirely sure how to pronounce that first name. It's spelled G-R-A-E-M-E. -E. I'm not sure how to pronounce it. So I will just refer to them as Fairchild et al. Um, we've also got the DSM-5, which is the Diagnostic and Statistical Manual, um, the fifth edition from the American Psychiatric Association. So what is conduct disorder, right? Um, I would define it as, you know, let's break it down, right? Like conduct, how people conduct themselves, you know, how you behave and a disorder, you know, an atypical um, format, right? So, I mean, when we, when we discuss disorders of many, many different types, right? Like an eating disorder or, you know, a psychological disorder or like an immune disorder. Um, so I would define, again, you know, a conduct disorder as someone having issues maintaining their own conduct and, you know, them conducting themselves accordingly. So formally, conduct disorder is defined as a repetitive and persistent pattern of behaviors um, in which the basic rights of others or major age-appropriate societal norms or rules are violated as manifested by the presence of at least three of the following 15 criteria in the past 12 months from any of the categories, and of which there are four, with at least one criterion present within the last six months. And so we're going to be breaking down some of these things, and I'm certain as we discuss the, the symptoms of, you know, conduct disorder, then, you know, someone will come to your mind, right? So I don't know who it is, but... It's, it's going to be somebody. Um, so the first of the four categories are aggression towards people and animals. Um, and so they often bully, threaten, or intimidate others. They often initiate physical fights. They have used a weapon um, that can cause serious harm to others. They've been physically cruel to people. They have been physically cruel to animals, um, have stolen while confronting a victim, either mugging or extortion. Um, and they've also forced someone in, or they may have also forced someone into sexual activity. And I think this one is more of the, um, I would say it's one of the more common categories, right? Like you would, you more often hear um, someone being aggressive towards other, you know, either instigating or initiating fights, um, being, you know, an imposing figure in someone else's world for whatever reason. And so the other categories, say they're a bit more egregious. So uh, let's, let's get into the next one, which is the uh, destruction of property. Um, they have been deliberately engaged in fire setting with the intention of causing serious damage. Um, they may have also deliberately destroyed others' property other than by fire setting, you know, smashing things, breaking shit, you know, doing unnecessary things to someone else's stuff. Uh, and so there's also deceitfulness or theft. So they may have broken into someone else's house, a building or a car. They often lie to obtain goods or favors or to avoid obligations. 
and some of these behaviors will be better illustrated as we continue on through the episode when, once we get to story time, because I assure you it's coming. They may have also stolen items of non-trivial value without confronting a victim, such as shoplifting, forgery, you know, these types of things. Um, and then there's also, you know, the fourth category is serious violations of rules. Um, they often, and this one is more geared towards, um, more towards adolescents and children before they become adults with these uh, behaviors and habits that then lead to more, you know, potentially dangerous things. Um, and so they often may stay out late at night despite parental prohibitions beginning at the age of 13 years, um, according to the DSM-5. Um, they may also be frequently truant from school beginning before the age of 13. And so I, I think that when we take all these things together, right? Like we take, you know, being super aggressive, right? We take someone who's particularly cruel to people or animals or, you know, they lie a bunch or fucking just do a bunch of reckless type shit, bro. Like we tend to just think that they're just a, a kid either rebelling, right? Or they're just going through some stuff right now and justifiably they very well may be going through some things. Um, but we often look at just the behavior. We often look at the behaviors, right? We often say, Hey, why are you behaving this way? As opposed to, you know, why are you breaking these things? Why did you set fire to that house? Why are you, you know, accosting this elderly couple on the freaking street? Like, why are you fucking dropping fat deuces on the floor of the school? Like, what are we doing here? Like, wh why, you know? And so we typically would want to, you know, address those things because they are important. Um, but I feel like it's more important or rather, I feel like it's equally as important to address what is it that's going on in that person's life that makes them feel as though they would need to do something like this. Right. Because these are some pretty overt behaviors. Um, yeah. And I guess that's just me. Like I'm, I'm interested in that kind of thing. I want to know why people do what they do. Um, and so conduct disorder frequently co-occurs with ADHD and oppositional defiant disorder, according to Fairchild et al. Um, it affects around 3% of school children and is twice as prevalent in males in, as it is in females. Um, in addition, conduct disorder is associated with neurocognitive impairments, smaller gray matter volume in the limbic regions, such as um, the amygdala, the insula, and orbitofrontal cortex, and functional abnormalities in overlapping brain circuits responsible for emotion processing, um, emotional regulation, and reinforcement-based decision-making. So, to put it into simpler terms, someone who has issues regarding how they conduct themselves may also be experiencing issues within their brain that make it that much more difficult for them to regulate and process their emotions. Also, conduct disorder is not an episodic disorder. It's not an episodic disorder like depression or intermittent explosive disorder, which I hadn't heard of until I started researching for this episode and I've actually found, you know, in my in my work, I've found an example of someone who may be experiencing these types of things as well. Uh, so again, we're going to get to that here in a sec. Um, instead, it more closely resembles a personality disorder, right? Like like a borderline personality disorder, like narcissism, like 
things like this, right? Things that are more, uh, I'll say, more fixed. Although roughly 50% of individuals show remission of their symptoms, others have chronic symptoms and develop in personality, well, they develop into personality disorders and criminal behaviors in adulthood, right? So this is when, this is when I was discussing or mentioning earlier that if these types of behaviors begin to be exhibited by the children, um, then I feel like it's important to address that and, you know, take steps to curb that behavior rather than just let it go unchecked, as it can lead to a lot of, um, I'll say, unfavorable circumstances. Um, and so now it is officially story time. Um, and so I wanted to tell a few stories um, tell a few stories of a few people who I suspect are struggling with a budding uh, personality or not personality, a, a budding conduct disorder. And so there's working with kids in crisis. Um, you're never really sure the type of day that you're going to have. Like you're never really sure the clients that are going to be there or the ones who are going to leave. And I mean, you, you, you sometimes have a decent understanding, right? Like depending on the situation, if you understand that this person's going to be here a bit longer than, you know, someone who's going to be here for a couple of days, you know, uh, sometimes circumstances change and people are released early. Sometimes they're not released early. And, um, and so I just wanted to mention that the dynamic in <clears throat> the dynamic of clients that I work with, um, is usually quite fluid. It fluctuates all the time. But some of them are, you know, there for a little bit longer than others for various, various reasons. So <clears throat> client number one has a propensity for bullying um, client number two, who we're going to be discussing as well. Um, constantly talking about, you know, this person's weight or constantly saying like, yo, bro, you... Or like some of this dumb shit that you hear from kids who are just trying to be mean to each other, really. Um, this particular kid as well likes to lie a lot about a lot of dumb shit, like real, like stuff that doesn't even really matter. Um, and of course, I mean, I'll say to some extent, you know, some kids like to do that, right? They want to appear more impressive to their peers. And I can understand that, but I mean, it's just, it's, it's constant and it's about like next to nothing. But I think the thing that gets to me the most is whenever this person doesn't get their way, <clears throat> um, sometimes they will threaten suicide. And it's super frustrating because, for example, um, one day client number one was on the phone with their, you know, their caregiver saying, hey, I want you to come pick me up because, you know, for whatever reason, I, I don't want to be here. Um, I just want to get some clothes. I want to go eat some food. I truthfully, I can't even remember the reason, but, um, allegedly the, the care, uh, the caretaker said, no, I'm not going to come pick you up. And then the client number one then states, I'm going to fucking kill myself then and hangs up the phone and just, you know, walks over to the other part of the room and doesn't necessarily, you know, show signs that he was really in distress but more just annoyed at the situation. And I think that's dangerous to do for a myriad of reasons, but not least of which being that there are kids there who often struggle with that type of thing. And then to hear it used 
uh, so flippantly as a as a uh, manipulation tactic. It doesn't make them feel good, I'll say. And so it's super, super frustrating. And again, you know, we, we need to address these types of things, um, whether it be in, you know, the, the caretaker home or in a therapeutic setting. Um, I feel like these things need to be addressed. Otherwise, you know, these types of behaviors, you know, bullying other people, constantly lying, um, threatening dramatic action if one doesn't get their way, um, it, it can lead to, this is, this is basically extortion, um, at that point. And it's, uh, it, it needs to be, it needs to be checked. I'll say client number two likes to bully people a lot, um, for any reason whatsoever, really. Um, and what I think, uh, what I think is interesting about this client is even though they tend to bully people a lot, um, they're particularly sensitive when it comes to being bullied. Um, they get quite defensive and you, you would think that someone who is used to saying such things so frequently, you would think that person has some sort of immunity to hearing and being the target of these types of behaviors. But nonetheless, this client has also told me a story where, well, we were discussing, what was it we were discussing? I think it was favorite animals or something. I believe it was your favorite animal. And, um, you know, we're going around the circle saying, hey, whose favorite is what? And this client, you know, says, hey, there's is the pit bull. And I'm like, okay, cool. That's awesome. Like, I love pit bulls. I guess they're, you know, they're pretty cool. Um, and then he proceeds to tell me that if his pit bull acts up, he will punch it in the face. Um, and I immediately, after giving him just a moment of that, you know, that, that dramatic pause, like the pause for dramatic effect, hit him with that's animal abuse and uh we need to talk about that and he's like oh well no i don't really i'm like "Uh, all right bro well if you don't really do that then you shouldn't say things like that um so whether he does or not um i don't actually know because you know i haven't been there when they you know i haven't haven't been at this person's house right so i can't actually you know decisively say one way or the other but to say that and just to imagine that is is disheartening i'll say at the absolute least at the most it's vile it's you know we we can go on for days but okay another thing that this person has done and we have actually i've discussed this with the client and we discussed in many ways hey this wasn't okay um we need to do better and so me and this client are working on you know continuing to be respectful and you know they're thus far they're doing better than they were even a few weeks ago so i'm proud of them for that however um there was a day we had one building that wasn't being used at the time so some of the clients wanted to watch a movie together so some of the boys went over there some of the girls went over there and you know watched a movie whatever and as we're there i see client two um having a discussion with two of the other girls and I'm like, okay, no big deal. I, I get it. You know, we're, we're all, we're all friends here. You know, we're, we're trying to, or at the very least we're all acquaintances here, right? We're all here for one reason or another, but we're all here. So I, I can understand, you know, wanting to have conversation, these types of things. That's normal. 
Um, and so client two then pulls over one of the other clients and says, hey, you know, hey, kid, c- come over here, come over here. Kid goes over there. He whispers something in kid's ear. The kid actually turns around, gives me a weird face as if to say, what the fuck did he just say? And so I, I pull kid over. I'm like, hey, kid, come here, come here, come here, come here. What, 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 what a client to say to you? Um, and I, no exaggeration. Okay. This is literally what this person told me. Um, person who I'll refer to as kid says, yo, client two says, tell me I wasn't beating my shit this morning. Tell me I wasn't jerking my shit this morning. And so when he, when he tells me this, this lets me know that client two and these two girls were already having this type of sexually charged conversation before kid was pulled over. So I discussed with client two, I said, okay, how much do you know about this girl? He says, oh, well, you know, the girl and their parents don't get along. Um, I'm like, okay, what do you know about the other girl? He says, nothing. I don't know. I'm like, okay, how do you know that, you know, an adult or someone in her life didn't subject her to the exact same type of stuff that you're talking about right now. How do you know that? He says, Oh, I, I guess I don't know. And I'm like, that's absolutely my point. Um, you cannot be having these types of conversations like this. Um, especially considering you dodged a bullet. Um, what if this girl was like, Hey, he was saying some really, really uncomfortable things. I really don't want to be around him. I don't like the fact that, you know, what kind of, any any number of things this young lady could have said to you and could have made an entire issue but luckily for you that didn't happen so i am going to need you to please uh we need to do better like we as a collective we need to do better so it's just little things like this um i i don't know i'll say in in client two's defense, I know it's weird. Um, that client is going through a lot more than your average person. So help, going through a lot more than your average adult, like specifically the circumstances that this person is being subjected to. Um, I'm not defending their actions. I'm not saying, Hey, that was okay because it wasn't, but I am saying given the circumstances that this person is, you know, being subjected to. I can understand why shock value type of, you know, banter or conversation or media or whatever, I can understand why that might be, you know, favorable or even interesting to a person who's going through something like this. And client number three. Okay, so we're just about halfway done here. Um, Client number three is most times when they're not uh when they're not just at peace playing basketball or playing a video game or something they're most likely trying to intimidate other people either by telling stories or alleging that a fight will occur between you know client number three and whomever and so i remember one day i was in my supervisor's office discussing i oh discuss okay discussing with another kid whose story is completely unrelated to this episode um, was discussing, you know, some things with them. And I hear client number three in the hallway 
just yelling, saying, Oh, I'm going to beat this motherfucker's ass. Oh, I'm going to, I should have killed this motherfucker. Like all sorts of dumb. And I mean, I mean, all, all sorts of things that you would hear from someone who's trying to intimidate another person or wanting to be, you know, that, that person, that dude, you know what I mean? And so I popped my head out the office door and I noticed this. I, I know you. I've worked with you before. Hey, what's going on, bro? Fist bump. Hey, what's going on, Tony? Oh, I'm just having a bad day today. Like, okay, I can tell you having a bad day. I can hear you having a bad day. Uh, just maintain. You know what I mean? <laughs> and, um, and so after that, the uh, the conversation was, you know, slightly, it was a little less aggressive, but it threw me off. I wasn't expecting that to happen, but, you know, it's... It's the life of a, it, it, it comes with working with kids in crisis. It really does. Um, uh, client number four, this client is, I, I've worked with this client before as well. And um, I'll say we have a, I'll say we have a really good rapport. We, we actually do. Um, they're really respectful, intelligent. Um, though they are on the spectrum, they can pick up on, you know, social cues as well. Like they can, they're, they're quite, they're really astute. And so this client one day was on the, uh, we have, we have a few gaming systems. And so this client was using one of them and had been on it for, he was on there for an extended period of time. And, um, so one of my coworkers says, Hey, you know, it's time to, you know, turn it off or it's time to let someone else have a turn. And, um, luckily we had the onsite officers there, which I think, looking back was a really good, was a really good coincidence. Um, but the, my coworker says, Hey, it's time to let someone else use it. And the client says, no, I'm not getting off. Um, you're trying to, what did he say? He says, essentially you're trying to cheat me out of my time on the system, even though they've been on it for an extended period of time. Um, co-worker insists, Hey, um, we really need you to, you know, let someone else have a turn. And so the client begins to escalate. Um, he then looks at, he then looks at the coworker and it's like, I'm not getting off this thing as he's holding the game system in his hands. He's like squeezing it and almost bending it. Well, actually he's squeezing it and slightly bending it. Um, at which point me and the on-site officers are like, bro just hey you you probably don't want to do that i'd you know you're upset just just breathe okay you you don't want to do that um and during this time the coworker says hey i i understand you're like super upset with me right now but i just i need you to get off it and the client again is still visibly upset and he actually jumps up with the game system in his hands of course um I'm sure he's squeezing the hell out of it at this point. Screams, I'm feeling fucking murderous towards you. And um it was you know, it was really a a, a tense moment at that po- at which point, you know, we were able to, you know, slightly de-escalate the situation. The onsite officer sat with the with the client as the coworker, you know, walked off. We kind of did some debrief and whatnot. And the reason for me personally, why that moment was uh, so memorable 
That particular client, um, one of the reasons that they had been sent there was they had actively tried to kill their uncle by poisoning them. And uh, when they said, I'm feeling murderous towards you, in my mind, I'm like, oh, oh, shit. Um, that, yeah, that's not good. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, the, mm. so luckily, you know, the client was able to deescalate. Um, everyone was able, the entire room, I'll say, was able to deescalate because it was, you know, we're, we're a collective. We're here together. Um, and so it took a bit, but luckily everything was, got back to homeostasis. Um, and so for the last, <clears throat> for the last uh, example of, you know, the kids in crisis that I've been, and these aren't even kids in crisis that I've been working with. These are kids that I've just been exposed to. Um, cause I'm a gamer, you know what I mean? And sometimes there's kids who are, you know, talking amongst each other and as they're cyberbullying really is what it is. It's, it's fucking cyberbullying. Um, as they're in this, you know, miasma, some of the things that I hear are objectively in, that are subjectively, I'll say, in my opinion, kind of funny. Um, one of them I've heard man says, that's why you got roaches doing the nay nay in a bathtub. And I'm like, bro, okay, that, you know, just a joke, right? It's not actually happening. Um, what else does this person say? What have I heard? Uh, they say, man says, that's why your breath smells like 10 cans of bounce that ass. And I'm like, yo, that was, you know, that, that was a little funny, but and sometimes lines get crossed, um, really. And I'll say we don't even need to look far to see that. Um, if we just go on social media, hell, Facebook, Twitter, fucking TikTok, like anywhere, really, um, you can see the type of behavior that some people are able to, you know, spew towards each other. And if you're able to see it there, you know, you're able to see it, but that doesn't go for, or that doesn't include like via in-game lobbies, right? Like when you're in the game with somebody and it's just your headset and their headset and you just talking shit to each other back and forth, right? Like there's not typically a, a transcript of the entire conversation. So a lot more can be, can go under the radar. And so I just, I think that's important to mention as well, because if we, if we acknowledge these types of behaviors, right. And we say, okay, well, if this types of, if this type of thing goes unchecked, um, this individual may end up developing a conduct disorder, right. If they're not already, you know, experiencing it right now. And so I think it was, I think, I think it's important to do this episode because, you know, we, we often think about people's behaviors and we say, oh, well, you know, many times we want to say, oh, well, this person is crazy or we just, you know, lump them into the anti-psych, like antisocial personality disorder type stuff or, you know, whatever the case may be. But many times it begins with, you know, issues with one's conduct as they're growing, you know, before they become an adult, before they even come into adolescence. Um, I think it's, I think it's important to acknowledge and so how does one fucking mitigate the chances of having a conduct disorder? Um, uh, there are many risk factors that can potentially contribute to the development of this disorder, some of which include smoking, alcohol, drug use, or increased stress during pregnancy, which results in increased likelihood for the child to develop a conduct disorder. Um, maternal or paternal psychopathology 
essentially parents having a psychological or behavioral disorder, um, parent-child conflict or familial maltreatment, so essentially being treated poorly by people in the family or having constant conflict with the parent-child dynamic, association with deviant peers, you know, and badass kids down the street, you know who they are, and witnessing community violence. And so, and let's, let's stay with this for a moment, right? Um, as we think about adolescence in crisis, when the parental or guardian figure in their lives refuses to teach effective coping strategies or skills, um, the type of behaviors that they begin to engage in um, to the kids can seem to be, uh, can be seen as a way to blow off steam, right? Like partaking in illicit drugs or getting into fights or getting away with a particular shoplifting venture or whatever the behavior is. But when these behaviors go unchecked and become habits, um, they can lend themselves to the perpetuation of the disorder or multiple disorders and potential legal consequences. So treatment for a conduct disorder, right? Like many other disorders, this one, um, there is not one magic pill that someone can take to absolve them of their conduct disorders. Um, management of CD primarily involves parent-based or family-based psychosocial interventions. Although stimulants and atypical antipsychotics are sometimes used to manage the symptoms of the disorder, especially, with indiv especially in individuals with comorbid ADHD. So again, um, we can't necessarily always, we can't treat the disorder itself, but we can treat some of the symptoms that arise from, you know, dealing from having this disorder. Or at the very least, if we don't even want to use the word disorder, right? Like if we just want to say this person's conduct is poor, right? We can be like, hey, we can do some therapy. Maybe there is some sort of medication that can help. Again, if there's something else that you're struggling with as well. Um, and so why is this important, right? This is important because there are many, many young people who are struggling to cope with some of life's demands. And as caretakers or even just adults who want to help, we have a duty to guide the next generation and assist them in making sense of what they're going through. Because, you know, if we don't, this type of shit would be like, well, I guess fucking setting fire to buildings all over the place is the new norm. So could you just imagine like an entire generation of human beings and I just like literally like no no political affiliation like no religious affiliation like no none of that just an entire generation of human beings who believe and subscribe to the notion that I'm going to destroy your shit I'm going to break my shit I'm going to break everybody's shit I'm going to shoplift I'm going to like could you imagine if the conduct disorder was the societal norm it's an interesting thought. I'm not advocating for it. I just, I think about interesting things. So if you or anyone you know are struggling with conduct disorders, um, please seek help. Please reach out. Please be there for one another. This world is wild. This world is crazy. But we're trying. And I feel like that should be worth something. Uh, thank you all for listening. I do appreciate you all. Um, go check out onlyyesterday.co. We got an official website now, baby. Yo, um, there you, there you can find, you know, the, the mission, you know, the vision, 
the about, you know, who we are, you know, me and O'Malley. If you don't know, you can go check out on the website. And please, you know, if you're not already, give Only Yesterday a follow on Spotify, on Apple, on all that. Share all that. You know, I mean, if there's someone that you know who might be struggling with any of the things that I've talked about in any of the episodes, please send them a link. You know what I mean? Let them know how it be. And as Only Yesterday grows, I will continue to keep you guys updated with, you know, the latest happenings of the network, of the Fried Sushi Network, baby, LLC. Get at me. Bye. Don't come for me. No, but this is actually fun. It's informative because I've already learned a couple of things that I didn't know or things that I hadn't thought about.